0: I just want to thank everybody that supports the show on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Rose and join Robin Moxley, Beck, Leslie Goditas, Chantel McClellan, Trisha Thalmo, Aiden Thalmeyer, Aiden Peterson, Rachel McIntyre, Tanya Joseph, Stacey, Caitlin, Tina Arman, Kevin Fry, Chloe Vicker, Jackson Carr, Bobby Dalmer, Audrey R, Katie Agliardo, Shelby Cunningham, Jessica Lustig, Danny Alcorn, Liesel Jensen, Francine Balbino, Brenda Esposito, Eliza Dornbush, Jennifer Grindy, LaVon Sawake, Fiona Marabara, Amy A, Catherine Michaels, Jen Graff-Perkins, and B, Aaron Talbot. Hey, speaking of people I appreciate, today is a re-release of my episode interviewing the Reverend Jess Cast. I love this episode of the show. It was a true pleasure to meet Jess and also just like, You'll hear more about this in a second. Please enjoy. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still on. Darling, I know, I know, I know it's careless. Hi, Cameron. Hi. Hi, good morning. I always have guests introduce themselves. Would you introduce yourself?
1: Yes. Um, officially, I am the Reverend Jess Cast. but between us friends and all of those here hanging out with us, I'm just Jess with one S, and I live in central Pennsylvania with my wife and our dog and our two cats, and I've been an ordained pastor for over 12 years, originally from West Michigan, so the Midwest has a dear place in my heart. Hmm. And um, as you are all listening and participating, you can be in conversation with me online at, at Rev Jess Cast. There's more to it, but that's the
0: basics. Just well, you've you made a lot happened. So <laughs> it does there doesn't need to be more. You've nailed it. It's a it's a thorough introduction. Um you and I met recently because I was in Pennsylvania uh to I was there to give a talk at Penn State about my stand-up special rape jokes and about sexual assault. Um so it's kind of an intense yeah job and i went for a run to get my body uh to chill out a little bit um before the show or pre- whatever it was called pre- presentation yeah. and um yeah. i ran past this church that had a big I just keep dropping everything I don't know if this is fabulous. <laughs> but okay. i'm enjoying your arc it. yeah i ran past this church that had a big you know i always clock a church that has a big, uh, I think it was a flag or, or like there's a flag or, or on the sign, whatever, a big progress pride invitation clocked it, noticed it kept running. And then I get back to my hotel. I had a, like an Instagram just comment, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that said, Hey, like you're in my town and whatever. Um, And I clicked on the thing, and I saw that this is your church that I had run past. And so I was like, what are you up to? You want to go for a walk? Which is, you know, where I'm at, I guess, in terms of encountering the world. Did you expect that to go down like that?
1: Yeah. I mean, so, like, this is our second date,
0: Cameron. (laughs) This
1: is. But we're not out walking. Um, We're here in our office, but at that Pride Flag Church. Yeah, I I did. I thought if you, you did saw it. <laughs> yeah, I it's <had> <laughs> amazing. I, I did love think that. like I did think if you saw it, um it's there's a lot of people that come through Penn State land, I call it. And I tend to be can be a stopping ground for people just needing to be off, but an actual personal connection. Um and it's enjoyable to me so i thought Hmm. well if you're free and then you're like let's go on a walk and my dog really liked that and it was a lovely walk it was really lovely how did your talk go the rest of the night by
0: the way you know it was okay i think um something that i don't totally have control over but maybe i could do differently next time also is um it was it was really cool it was sponsored by you know like the women's resource center and like the lgbtq group or whatever and um So the audience was like this very, you know, self-selected group of people that like agree with everything I'm going to say anyway. That's not totally true. There were a few like random stragglers that had really good questions. But I think where I felt a little bit of disappointment, and again, maybe this is, maybe I have a role in this even, is just in the sort of like breadth of who was there. You know, I mean, certainly at a university, professors can require that people attend stuff. Um, And so maybe next time I would... In booking the talk sort of suggest that because I've had that happen other times I've spoke. I've spoken at like, you know, a bunch of universities and sometimes people um, are required to be there. And I think especially on a topic like sexual assault, it's like it just feels like a slam dunk. And especially especially at, at Penn State. So like I would have loved a lively conversation with people that disagreed with me or with people that had. Yeah. to say um, where there could be more of a, more movement. But it was yep. just, it was a lot of like. Cheerleading. Yeah. Yeah. Or, and you know, even if I'm cheerleading for them, you know, like mm-hmm. it wasn't all just for me, it wasn't all in my direction. Even if I'm cheerleading for them, it's like, I'm not sure that that is the impact that I'm trying to have in the world. Sometimes it is, you know, to right. be with like-minded folks, but I don't yeah, know. at Penn State on sexual assault, it's kind Maybe of a big deal, what I was hoping for. but
1: Yeah, it's a it's a big topic here. But uh, to your point, I don't know if we talked about this when we went on our walk. Uh, my wife is a professor and of political science, and she will—lively <laughs> conversations the last few days. And um, she will require people to go to uh, certain talks like yours, and that's part of an extra credit. So I think that's a great idea mm-hmm. to do that um and what a relief for professors that are been working really hard the last couple years
0: totally yeah it feels like it all goes together so yeah you know that'll be that'll be some a learning curve thing for future um but well it was great that you're here and it was great to be connected yeah i had a really nice time um walking with you and i also had a nice time like I mean, I guess it's even weird to say I had a nice time at the event. It is also, it's, I don't totally know that I am equipped to be somebody who's educating in that space. I just know that, like, if somebody's going to ask me and pay me to do this talk, like, I'll probably say yes. But it is also intense to be a stand-up comic educating undergrads on consent, because I'm just I'm just a an idiot like anyone else. Um that a lot so. of people pay attention to and you've got
1: um levity to help your message get through. So um I'm I'm positive that it was an encouragement to folks. The and I'm not saying that as a cheerleader, but I'm anytime we're talking about things that matter, particularly in light of just how difficult things have been over the last few years. It matters it helps us see each other as humans so mm. I'm happy to that you connected because I know mm. when I'm traveling or speaking at different places sometimes it's just nice to be off like in my role I'm um, I'm perform more extra extrovertedly is that a word I don't know perform more extroverted but I really as you and I talk I like really like being alone in my garden a lot and um so when I travel sometimes I don't want to to be around other people, even as as kind as they may be, but so I was really glad that you were open to going on a walk, and it's just nice to know queer folks uh, along the way. For me, at least, it is.
0: Yeah, it's nice for me too. I'm
1: back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun
0: Drive. <laughs>
1: Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check.
0: What? Hang on! So I was struck by, you know, in meeting you, um you're certainly not the only queer, you know, pastor, but I, I do think that the universe would—I mean, um, the media and culture would almost have us believe that that you don't exist. And I know that there are a lot of people who listen to this show who, you know, can relate to having religious trauma. Um, and so, you know, it's such a nice conversation with you that I wanted to talk to you further and and invite you know other folks who might be listening um, to just like encounter what you're doing and and. um I guess maybe I'll start by asking you, like, and maybe this is too intense of a beginning, but like, do you do you have religious trauma? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's so funny. Well, not funny that you're
1: asking that. I mean, I don't want to minimize that, but I literally was talking to somebody this morning in my office who, who asked me similar questions, and I said, look, why do you think I went to seminary? I literally got my master divinity because that trauma led me to going into where the wound is and exploring that more and really experiencing the feelings around that. I don't think, Cameron, I don't think any queer person, and there are a lot of us that are ordained um, and leading and doing some really incredible work. I'm certainly not the only one. Um, but I don't think any of us get to where we are leading our churches, serving them, getting our master's degree and are or getting ordained, literally ordained as the authority of the church, being ministers of word and sacrament without having to uh, work through a lot of our trauma. So sometimes I joke that when I get to heaven, whatever that really means, I don't know, but let's just say it in that phraseology. I um I'm going to slip my therapy bill to Paul because there's a lot of things in scripture that I wish he didn't write and I just want to like have that all written off in heaven and give it to Paul <laughs> cuz he's like
0: hurt a lot of us. So follow up question. Do yeah. you believe in an actual physical heaven? I believe
1: that okay so there's this passage in the Bible that is from the book of Romans, chapter 8, which is my favorite. My wife and I had it at our wedding. We're like really church queer geekies. And it says, nothing and all of creation can separate us from the love of God. And then Paul goes on to write that persecution or hardship or, or all these like hard things in life, nothing can separate us from God's love. And one of the things that Paul writes is, death can't separate us from God's love. I use this is like my go-to in funerals. Do I believe in a literal heaven? I don't. I don't know, Cameron. I don't know, but I I do believe that when we die, we are we we are with God's love somehow. What does that look like? I don't know. Is it streets paved with gold? No. But is but is it with God's love? On my best of days, I want to believe that. On I mean, my most days, I get scared that that might not be true, but
0: that's the best of days. you what do you believe? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I had this theology professor in college who used to talk about hell as just being the only place where there was a separation from god's love um like that it's not it's not a place it's like you know it's a but it is a state or whatever um and I don't know. If we're talking about, like, source energy, that is the thing that makes a soul a word that we use, Um, do I think that there's, like, something special and magical about being a person and and that we're connected to each other and that maybe we return or stay within a stream of that energy um, after death? Maybe. Maybe we stay in that stream. Maybe we, like, maybe we come back. Maybe we, yeah, maybe we're in the stream the whole time. And so the physical body, like, isn't, is just, like, part of that trip.
1: Yeah. I like what you're saying because, well, in the church calendar, Cameron, you'll be familiar with this. But some of you who are, are hanging out with us know that there's this day called Ash Wednesday and it's like one of my favorite days. It's kind of um, like my younger emo queer girl self comes out and it's um, like ashes. We put you, p- you see people's head with the mark of the cross and ashes on it. And it's really um, like I stood outside right across the street from Penn State offering ashes to babies and adults. And I remember <laughs> one guy coming up and saying, you know, you really got to, you got a good business, this death thing. None of us can escape. And I said, Yeah, it's coming. We're all we're all heading there. Um, and he said, Go ahead, give me the damn ashes. And I said, and for for you, God loves you too. I don't and the ashes, every time I would put them on somebody, the real it's really humbling. It like it's we say, and it's comes from scripture, from death you came to death, uh, from dust you came to dust you will return. And um, I don't know, I find that really freeing too. Um I'm um there's some anxiety, existential angst about what comes next, but I also trust there's just a finite capacity to my own mind and thinking. So I trust ultimately God's love is bigger than my own life, I hope.
0: I mean Welcome. here's what I'll say. <laughs> here's what I'll say. I think a lot of this stuff, having grown up um with Catholic and I guess Christian theological roots, although some Christians would say that those things are antithetical. You know, to me, there's a lot about the Bible and this, even the story of Ash Wednesday and then the resurrection. There's a lot of it that works like allegorically. It makes sense to me that we would talk about that. We would that it makes sense to me that people that past people have been trying to make sense of death, have been trying to make sense of. Um, what we're doing here have been trying to make sense of this. That all makes so much sense to me. Why that's It feels like that's the human condition is just like, what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> what totally. are we supposed to do? And then what happens next? Like, that makes so much sense. I think where I, you know, then smash kind of into a wall is like, well, none of it works beyond allegory for me. It all works allegorically. It all works philosophically. Or, you know, a lot of it works allegorically, philosophically. None of it works literally practically. And I'm actually good with that. Like, I feel like there's more that I could do to lean into that study. You know, I think there's a lot I could learn there. I think there's things I could learn from other, you know, schools of theology and spiritual teachings that I can take the same way, but I just can't. That's it. That's it for me. So where are you with that? I'm so glad you asked this because I wanted
1: to ask you something about your Easter week post about Jesus. So hold that thought for a moment. And then the next thought I want to talk about after that is my deep inner faith roots that come from um, my deep well that the, the more I deep dig into the well of Christianity Like think of it uh, as an oil field. I don't know. I'm not an oil farmer or whatever they call themselves. Oil farmer. That's what (laughs) they. I don't know what that was. An oil (laughs) farmer. (laughs) That's hilarious, and I love it. I'm not from Texas, or you know. Okay. So the more you dig, the more that there's oil there, and the deeper you dig, there's more and hopefully more and more there. The more I dig, in my tradition the more the wider my um reaches to to my interfaith friends so for me in 2009 i went to oman in the middle east um and had i would call it like a conversion experience i um that to be christian is to be in our faith that um and sure. that is like deeply deeply important Um, And so because of that, I'm interested in uh, often the wisdom schools of all of our traditions. Um, These are the rituals that are mine. um, But I believe wisdom is beyond the confines of my own tradition.
0: Love it. I square with this. This is great. I totally hear you. Yeah.
1: Okay. So let's go to the philosophical Jesus. In your Instagram posts, and I thought this would be appropriate for today. You said something about, like, Jesus was for the outcasts, and so... Phil- marginalized. You, marginalized, excuse me, marginalized. And so you said something to the extent, correct me, please. Uh, so philosophically, Jesus is, um, is ours, the queer's. And mm-hmm. I responded 100% heart, of course. But I remember thinking... I wonder why they said philosophically. What did that mean to them? So what did that mean to you? Oh,
0: yeah, because I don't think that that guy is a... Well, I mean, I think he's God's son, if we all are. Um, And I don't think that he's a magic magician that came back from the dead in a, like, zombie way. Um, And, you know, I think where I often gets so yeah, so for me the a word that describes that is philosophy, you know, like I feel like if that um like I first of all, I don't read Aramaic and i I didn't hear him speak actual words out of his face um but I feel like from some summaries that I've read from other people that were then translated over time by a zillion people, I feel like philosophically that guy and I have a lot in common. Like I I like what he, I like what he has to say. I feel like I have a lot to learn from him. And that's true. There are other figures that that's true for, but like, that's the person I was raised with thinking like, yeah, cool. I like what you're saying. Um, so it's that it's like, you're a spiritual teacher that I care about. You know, you're a spiritual teacher that it like, even if I never had reignited my interest because I was raised with this set of spiritual teachings, it's like, un I don't, it's like, un could not be filtered out of my psyche yeah. and moral character. Like, it's already in there. Um. So, yeah, anyway, it's like that. It's like, cool. And then I look at somebody like the Pope, and I think, like, you are blocking that guy. That guy had such good things to say. And your fancy golden outfit is fucking up, you know, the message. But then I also was raised Catholic, so then then I'm yelling at that, but I'm also, like, on my knees feeling (laughs) affected by the beautiful music. Because it's, like, you know, it still gets me in, you know, like a visceral way. So, yeah, that's kind of what I meant by that, is, like, yeah, I hear you. You're so, you're so... And I think it's, I think it's, I think the people that have, like, destructive and literal readings on the bible get all the fucking press and stage time totally so totally. i will often say that i believe the
1: whole bible is true and some of it happened <laughs> so
0: i take it seriously okay so i feel like we've got something in common there
1: i, I think we have a, a lot in common um as mm-hmm. on this
0: theology queer
1: journey here mm-hmm. um I think there are a lot of passages that I am angry that they were included in what is called canon, um, the Bible. Uh, there are a lot of passages that let us remember that it was men making these decisions about what was included, what wasn't included. Um, right. And, you know, I had this realization this week. I told my friend, I said, I've only been preaching from the Gospels for months now, months. I have not been able to veer into the other books just because perhaps in line with what you just said, philosophically, this Jesus and this message of love one another or the Beatitudes, which I hang my hat on a lot, as you know, from my sanctuary, um, like we just need those reminders big time right now. Uh, things feel a little twitchy in society. Things feel a little inflamed with anxiety um, and anger and rage. And there's a lot of things to be angry about. And so what are just some of the basics of how how do we live? How do we love ourselves, love others, love this earth that we mm-hmm. seem to not get right? Um, so that's been really important to me. But as the, the theology, the nerdy side of me... Um, I love that whole book. I believe it's all true, and I believe some of it happened.
0: Everything that you just said to me, how weird does this make you with other pastors and theologians? I literally have no like scale. Are you, are you in line with, is this what people are saying? Are you in line with folks or are you like, where are you? Well, um, it
1: depends on where you're at in the Christian stream in in American
0: evangelicalism.
1: No, wait, no not
0: there. <laughs>
1: okay. So
0: but just like, in, there. in your, like, for instance, in your community, like, do you feel yeah. like, and I'm not talking about like your parishioners or whatever the word is. Um, hmm I'm talking about, like, other Mm pastors.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I would say that's very true. A lot of uh, pastors, I'm thinking about all my friends, would think very similar to this. And I think would take, like, the life and ministry of Jesus really seriously, that that it really changes how we live. Or at least continuing to change how we live. Um, That's, like, constant, um, I think, but I think there's a lot of us, a lot more of us than people realize who have a generous, Brian McLaren called it a generous orthodoxy, a generous view on the mysteries of faith. That's something I loved. I used to be Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love that phrase, the the mysteries of faith. Like, we said it all the
0: time. Um, and I, I love that. Sorry. No, I was just gonna say, like, I don't think this message is hitting the queer community, you know, like, I feel like there is a real, maybe, maybe places like, um, state college, state State college is like a, it's a smaller community with like, but that is a smaller community around, um, an institution of higher learning. Like, I feel like that is such a specific type of city, but then Mm -hmm. outside of it also more rural and like, you know, maybe some blue surrounded by red. Like, like, I feel like I've been to that place, A bunch of times, right? That's like a type of city that exists. Um, And it makes sense to me that there, you know, there'd be room for this kind of community, um, especially because like younger people who might be students, might be looking for community. Like there's a lot of, but then I feel like it's like, okay, then it's like urban queers who are 40 or whatever. Um, You know, I don't feel, it's like, what is going on with the fucking PR on Christianity because maybe it's just that the Westboro Baptist Church is a compelling argument in a doom scrolling universe, you know, that it's mm-hmm. like, this is who is a part of this community and how much space that takes up. It could just be like, yeah, clickbait top town, you know, like it could be that. Do you have any other theories as to why that is so over, so disproportionately focused on, like, you know, Donald Trump holding the Bible? Oh, you Lord. You know, over day. what you're talking about? I mean, Over so, the or actual I'll, I'll words of the Bible? <laughs> uh, well, I'll, I'll actually <laughs> start with this. Do you agree with me that it's disproportionately focused on the religious right and this, like, sort of yes. Yes, kidnapped version of... Yes. Okay. Yeah. So why?
1: Yeah. Well, that's a great question that I would love to actually um, ask journalists uh, quite often because like when major publications interview uh, Christians, it is often those who are more religiously conservative slash fundamentalist slash um, not generous in their interpretation. Um, And so... What I wished, and I don't understand. There's a movement in the last few years. I've seen more journalists get this of like a very deep tradition of the religious left. I mean, heck, heck, that was Midwest coming out. Hell, um, uh, is that heck? heck? (laughs) That was so Sandy Cast. I hear you, Um, uh, Reverend Doctor Martin Luther King Jr. Reverend, we I think folks like everybody loves to claim him and this is not a conversation of who can claim him. But in this particular moment, I, I just want to remind folks, this is a minister that we don't even have it, to go
0: back to Martin Luther King. We could go yeah. with the Senator Reverend Raphael Warnock who leads exactly. Martin Luther King's church.
1: Exactly. So like, yeah. Yes. I'm
0: with you on this. Yeah. I, I see yeah. what you are what you see. Yeah.
1: This is, and, and, um, uh, this, this are, there's these movements of people Who who are who deeply care about our scripture, deeply care about our faith, and know that it leads us to, as the prophet said, love, justice, mercy, and humility. Like that is what we practice all the time. That's what we see in the prophet, which we'd call Jesus. Um, And I don't know why there is such a loud bastardization of our faith by one really strong uh stream that's actually not as big as people really realize it's huge but it's not as big and there's a there's just like all there's a lot of us on the religious left i don't know better language but progressive generous there's like a lot of us um currently serving in our country right now as you know
0: yeah so i saw your your planned parenthood stole was something that we looked at um mm-hmm. which is like the little soccer scarf that you wear around your neck um (laughs) yeah and we're talking to each other uh i don't know when this is going to be released but we're talking to each other the week that the like roe Mm -hmm. leak happened from um the supreme court and you know again looking at who gets to have a public opinion um fewer than i mean it's it's wild fewer than a third of americans even want roe right to be messed with. The it's, majority. It's a it's, a, it's a small minority. I mean, this is really important to note: the majority
1: of Americans want abortion to be safe and legal and accessible to people. This what's happened this week while we're talking, um, at least of what we saw in this brief, this unprecedented brief released by who knows who, from Alito, is not in support with the majority of Americans' opinions, religious or not religious. That's really important for people to understand that.
0: Yes, and and also that um, in terms of who actually gets abortions, um, it also is not different percentage-wise. Yes. Uh, for folks who purport to be religious or not. It's like, yeah, if, if you actually look at the data, it's like yeah. not, it's not, that's not a factor. It's it's a factor in who like yells about it, um, but it's not a factor in who actually uses these services. Christians um,
1: get abortions. Lots mm-hmm. of Christians get abortions yeah. and need that care and need that respect and dignity. Anybody like this is so important to me. Everybody deserves the respect and dignity to receive the medical and the health and the bodily autonomy uh, care and respect that they deserve. Um, even those who who have a differing opinion than I do. I've been actually talking to a lot of my, quote, pro-life friends this week, and they've been sad. Um, I hang out with a lot of nuanced opinions because um, I like listening to others. And they've been sad this week because... This just feels like the wrong way to go about it. And yeah, no shit. Sherlock, this is the wrong way to go about it. Like, there's a lot more things. Like, if you actually cared about women and children, you would make sure that childcare access was free for all and that you would make sure that there was more parental leave. And like, there's other ways to actually
0: care about children and parents. Sure. Oh, I, could I mean, also, I would, you know, I would add that the number one way to lower the abortion rate is, um, access to contraceptives, which, which the church I grew up in is, um, adamantly opposed to. So it's, um, it's a wild assertion that like abstinence is at all a helpful, uh, place to start from since it has like no effect on anything, um, to teach people nothing about their own bodies. And I'm curious you know, that's not something that I knew. Like I got I had no sex ed um mm-hmm. growing up. This is all like stuff I know now because I've like worked with Planned Parenthood. Um and because I've done my own um educating, I guess. But yeah. I would imagine for you, again, like you're literally across the street from Penn State. That's where your church is. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine that you are maybe catching some folks like the first moment that they've left home and because I didn't have access to any of this information in the house that I grew up in or in the schools that I went to um, I would imagine if I encountered somebody like you that you might like I was actually an anti-abortion activist when I was in college you and me both you know mm-hmm.
1: that oh I don't know if I oh, tell you, but
0: no yeah so there like I go. went to rallies yeah you know met sister Helen Prejean who is really famous for being the inspiration for Susan Sarandon's character in *Dead Man Walking*, but who's also a staunch anti-abortion activist, and you know, felt like really righteous in all of these things that I was doing. Vote for, voted for George W. Bush the first time. I oh my vote. gosh, I have his signature in my Constitution, Cameron. <laughs> oh, I I shook his hand. I have pictures of me shaking his hand. You know, and and it, the re- I literally voted for him, like because of abortion. I mean, I was yeah. the exact person, um, and so that's what we that's, were taught. Right? That's how To be I, Christian. Yeah. Is, so to that be a, yeah. That's how I would have if I had walked across the street, because I was somebody who went to church at the time, if I had walked across the street from my school and encountered you, I would have lo- I would have been completely at a loss because I just have I would have had no context for what you were talking about. How often is that happening for you?
1: Oh, not even just in location. Literally this week in my direct messages in my, um I, literally right before this interview someone direct message, found an interview that I did about how I've changed my opinion and my work. Mm-hmm. And they were saying that they come from a staunchly conservative family and they feel so scared because they have a different opinion. Um, Or someone else DM'd recently said, I, I, Am I gonna lose my salvation if I get an abortion? I mean, these are like serious stuff that that people are are trying to sift through. And I, I have I have great compassion. I really believe people can change. Like I really believe that because I have changed, because I've done to go back to your original question, the wounds, the religious wounds, the cultural wounds that I've had have. I've had to do a lot of excavating and therapy and meditation and all sorts of shit. Um, Good shit. But um, to look at that. So I have a lot of compassion. That to change from your family system takes is really brave work. It is really hard work, really hard work. And. I just want to say to people like your soul and your personhood is worth it though. Like mm. like you got to do the work. You got to do the hard stuff because on the other side is liberation and freedom. Like that's how this works. Um that's the spiritual work. When we talk about the spiritual work, I don't care what tradition it is. It's um it's looking at those wounds that are deep and hard. Um so I get conversations a lot some of my really great um close close friends that are ministers have had uh, abortions some of, of students that I know parishioners that I love and care about people who have nuanced thoughts of like they're they find themselves in a situation where they where they need um an abortion and um it's very challenging to their own ideology but that's what they need to do who everybody deserves respect and that dignity to have somebody just sit with them and be with them as they figure out what's best for them. Like that's I really, you know, there's I believe there's like this in Christianity it's called a Mago Day, this image of God in all of us, or divine spark or or divine wisdom. I do believe when we quiet ourselves. When we do what the Psalms say and, like, be still and, like, come, like, listen to that voice inside of us, we, we can figure out the way to go. And it takes a lot of quieting down and trusting that that voice is not going to mislead us. Um,
0: wow. Yeah. Do you have people reach out to you and want, you know, spiritual connection and... um community or leadership and like you're talking about people reaching out for the internet and want to have an ongoing relationship with you i'm just i'm realizing there's like something to you working right now where um and the way you're positioning yourself because you could also choose to not do this where it's like you can go beyond the walls of your physical church as much as you want to but that also feels like Potentially exhausting, or like, h- how much you know day to day spiritual leadership can you give somebody if you are like with them on Instagram or something? How do, how do you balance that? Well,
1: I believe uh, good boundaries make a healthy and whole human, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I think God thought that too. I think that's there's a reason why in there's this thing called Sabbath. God took a day off too, and. <gasps> Perhaps God needed time, <laughs> just God, um, and so I love that. <laughs> um, my work is first and foremost planted in the geography that I call home. Uh, some folks know that I lived in New York City for twelve-ish years, and it was wonderful and great, and and I loved it. And I felt a move that I really wanted to be in parish ministry in a smaller community. Yes, it's a college town. So there's like movement, but I have to be honest, moving from New York City to central Pennsylvania, I was like, oh my God, where am I moving? (laughs) Now I love it. Now I'm like out there, in my overalls and uh, what are little black dresses? I've got overalls now. And um, (laughs) I, these are the people that matter first to me, the ones that I, I know that are in the hospital right now, the ones that I, and I'm going to go visit the one who just had a baby, the baptism that I'm going to offer in two weeks, uh, who they call me anti-pastor Jess. Um, this is my community. Any public thing I do is informed from the community that I live and breathe and like, know. and this local community is the one that takes care of me and there's the one that I take care of. And they and my church is constantly saying to me, uh, take time you and your wife, take time. They always are blessing the time off that my wife and I need um w- when when we need vacation. Um this is where I'm from. I did who would have thought? Like honestly, when you think about the journey of life, Pennsylvania was never like on my oh my god, I cannot wait to live there list. Um but this is, a, this is really a great place to live and the people and the community and the roots. I mean, like, when we bought our house, the whole church was out there helping from 80-year-old to, like, these seven-year-olds packing up things, help. Like, that was the best of church. They just loved their pastor and her family. And someone made cookies. Someone else brought lemonade. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. like, this good-hearted, real community. That's who Jess is. That's what I want. And that's why I'm glad I'm here. That's what's first and foremost for me. And I put up a lot of boundaries when I need my time, which is just pretty much out in the garden, which I can get lost out in the garden. You're awesome, Jess. I like you very much. Ditto. Mm-hmm. Very much. I'm <laughs> I'm um I you know, actually, Cameron, this to answer your question too, I was telling some of my parishioners, <laughs> which there's a lot of queer ladies that were like, Cameron was in our church and I was like, yeah, Cameron's just like you. Cameron's just like Jess. And like, that's my MO always in ministry is people are people and need dignity. That's why I do Planned Parenthood. That's why I've done a lot of work with unhoused folks. People deserve dignity. And um, so this, you know, podcast sermons are all cool, but uh, what matters is how we all Treat each other, like truly what matters the most is how we treat each other and love each other and help each other. Life is hard, like life mm. is hard, period. Um, I had one therapist one time say, life takes courage. And I think that's true for all of us queer folks. We certainly understand that. And mm. at any chance we can offer a kind kindness or receive kindness. I think it's really important to be re- know how to receive that, too. Um, that's what makes a meaningful life, in my opinion.
0: Well, I mean, where I am right now is just, like, stunned. I love speaking to you. Um, I don't know. I have, like, a thousand more. I know. We'll just have to continue to have a conversation um, in a different setting. I hope so, because I feel like there's so many more theological streams
1: that you and I can... Dig into and I would hope for other folks to join in those conversations because it's it's rich and it's important. And I actually think these conversations continue to bring healing for us all. Um like just being able to look at something and say, oh huh, that's still in there or that's there. Um and we're not alone, right? Like that's none of us are alone. We're all trying to figure out how to be human, I think. I hope. Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate you inviting me into your space and yes. allowing me to be your guest and for uh this is really special to me um i left our walk and i was like like i, I really like them like <laughs> like yeah forget what they do and everything like they're like actually legit cool <laughs> so um it is And I am saying that like legitimately to you. I'm like, Oh my God, they're
0: like a cool person. So, Oh, that's awesome. I mean, I really appreciate that. Yeah. I feel like just have had a really cool openness to other people in the last couple of years where I think for, you know, for a long time, partially because of the stuff, the place that we started, you know, like being in so much pain and feeling so hurt that it's like, well, bye, like shut the door forever. Um, So, I really appreciate this conversation because it's like a great continuation of, you know, where I've already been going. And I know there's people who are listening who are going to have some of the same experiences. Um, So I just really thank you for your openness and honesty and how you like tackle questions that are like, Jesus, real, you know, anyway, (laughs) you're doing great. Um, And the final thing that I'll say sort of before we sign off for today is I always have I always ask guests to shout out a queero, which is a person, place, or thing that made you feel that you could be who you are today. So Jess, would you, Pastor, Jess, would you shout out a queero? Yeah.
1: Um I'm actually gonna shout this out back to my congregation. Um the queers in my congregation and and the allies, I love this congregation so much. Um there are folks that will probably never be on a podcast or just doing regular life and trailblazing in their own fields, queer elders who have lived under, um, oppression. And, um, I do this work and I'm here representing them, um, and they give me a lot of strength. So it's, it's the people in my congregation who I know and love and, um, they're, they're a huge part of my
0: heart. And they love me well. Oh, that's amazing! Well, thank you, Pastor Jesscast. and um, your name is just really ready for your own podcast. You know that, right? <laughs> People <have laughs> certainly told you that in the oh past. Gosh, I talk too much. So yeah. this, is, this right. is Nice to come on, <laughs> <laughs> but it's really I, nice to talk to you. And that's um, nice. I will talk to you soon. I'm sure. That sounds great. Thank
1: you for for everybody being here, and um, I wish everybody well. Um, thanks, Cameron.